strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Is this Shake It Off? Is that what this is? Is that this song? Yes, it is. Right, I know what this song is. Oh, that's good. I've never heard it all the way through, but I recognize this song. It's really fun. I think you should listen to it all the way through. Again, our definition of fun, a little different. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to Taylor Swift. You know, you can get me well, to Metallica. You, come on, you've listened to Metallica. Not really. What? I'm not a big Metallica fan. All right, so now we gotta we gotta have a little a, a little war. Next time, next rejoiner has got to be a Metallica song. Only fair. Only fair. Only fair. Um, Sad but true is a great one. Um, uh, bread fan is always a good. Uh, let's go with bread fan. It, it, in, uh, it is a hard hitting song. Stole cold crazy, which was a redo. Uh, now we're talking music. Uh, anyway, uh, Taylor Swift is in town. Glendale is now Swift City or Swiftdale or whatever you want to call it, uh, we're not really going to change the name of the show. We're going to go with, unless, of course, I can get Metallica on the air, and then it will definitely be the Metallica Broomhead show. We'll go with that. Um, so let's get into this uh, the story about inflation and what's happening. Cities where inflation is rising the most. Uh, Julia just grabbed this. Producer Julia just grabbed this for me. Overall, uh, Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater, number one. Philadelphia, uh, Camden, Wilmington uh, area, that's number two. Tied for second, Phoenix, Mesa, Scottsdale. Consumer price index change 1.2%. Consumer price index change latest month versus one year ago. Eight and a half percent. So we are lower than we were as far as the inflation goes, but we are nowhere near where we need to be. Uh, gas prices have gone up over the past uh, month, about almost a dollar, which is a tax on everybody here in town. And uh, we, we talked about inflation and what it's doing, a story recently, and I just kind of break this down. It's more than complaining. Because that, that is for some people. You know, I'm in a different place. I talk about, I mean, I'm pretty open about my life. I'm in a much different place now than I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, I live alone. I'm divorced now. I live alone. My kids are grown. They have homes of their own. Um, so I live by myself. So when things like this happen, it becomes an inconvenience. The fuel prices for me, it's inconvenient. It doesn't change my life like it used to. And there was a time in my life where a dramatic change in the price of fuel was a death sentence. I, when I had my business, I didn't have many trucks on the road, but I still had to pay for fuel for all of them. There was a time when I had a diesel pickup truck when I was driving 45,000 miles a year getting to different service calls. And at that time, diesel fuel crested four bucks a gallon. And I thought it was crazy. Well, look at where it is now. This is detrimental to everyone. The city of Scottsdale uh, had, a, had bonds that were voted on by the voters in Scottsdale for projects, about 60 different projects in the city that are well over $100 million over budget, largely because there was no way they could have prepared for inflation uh, enough. And so we are seeing huge dramatic increases where they don't know how they're going to fund these projects. So I submit to you, if this is happening to a local government, that they've committed to these kinds of projects and they told the people of their city that this is what it was going to cost, and now there are huge cost overruns largely because of inflation, I want you to think about what's that do, what that's doing to small businesses right now. 
I want you to think of whoever you hire for whatever you hire them to do. I have a, a, a there's a guy that I use named Wade that does lawn care for me. Well, not only does he have to haul a trailer and drive a truck, he uses gas powered you know equipment, and so you know there's. Um, there's an expense that goes up in the, in a landscaper's world. Um, I have friends that own plumbing and air conditioning company here in town. They've got a lot of trucks on the road. Um, I know the people that own zero res carpet cleaning. They've got trucks all over the valley, a couple of different locations where they ship them out of. These are costs that add, or add to their costs and reduce their bottom line immediately. And for a startup business or a business that's struggling to get kind of its feet under it, how do you keep up? And you also know that Taxes are going up. It's one of the things we did in Arizona that I think was terrific was the way we leveled the playing field with taxation and reduced the amount of taxes. And what we did, and this is where the argument I would make to people on the other side of the aisle, we've watched revenue go up. Reduced taxes and revenue went up. Well, then let's have the political argument. Republican, Democrat, independent, but Republican, Democrat, or let's go conservative, liberal. Let's have the conversations of how we distribute the tax dollars and how we spend them. And that's a partisan argument. But we all should agree that if we reduce taxes and increase revenue, how is decreasing taxes bad? You are you are making companies more profitable. You are strengthening the economy of your state, of your community. When you have wealthy companies, financially secure, stable companies, you don't have bankruptcies. You don't have the issues Just from a contractor's point of view. Um, you know, the registrar of contractors has a fund. If you have a problem with a contractor, any kind um, within the sound of my voice, whether they're it's electrical or it's it's a mechanical, which would be air conditioning or plumbing, or you hire a contractor, a carpenter, and they're a licensed contractor with the Registrar of Contractors in Arizona. If they fail on that job, if they perform miserably on that job, there is a state fund that is available to finish your project for you, and all contractors pay into it to make sure that we are as an industry. And I say we, I'm not in the industry anymore, but as an industry that if you've got when you hire a licensed contractor you've got this backup which you don't have with someone that's not licensed when you have companies now that are saying i'm underwater i'm losing money every day i'm doing this job you see more defaults you see less quality in in the products that people use and you don't want to see that happen you want financially stable companies that can keep their word that they're not in the financial distress and it's just good for everyone so we're still seeing uh, inflation sky high here in the valley. Um, housing costs, you know, sh- shelter and food are crushing everyone. Not to mention, we've seen this spike in gasoline prices. People in Arizona are starting to feel like they can't catch a break. If taxes are going up on businesses, you're going to start seeing a detrimental effect there as well. If you talk to wealthy people, and I would love to be one, if you are someone that is sitting on $10 million, if you have, if your value is $10 million, but you've got $10 million available to you, why would you participate in what's going on currently? I would say you're going to sit back. Why would I invest 
and take a risk because it is a risk. And if I do see a profit, the federal government is now saying, because you're wealthy, we're going to take more of it from you. We're going to take a bigger piece of it. I'm going to hide my money in a legal way. I'm going to put it in places that's safe from the government getting their hands on it. And I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life instead of investing Instead of seeing growth in the economy of the United States, that's just a fact. And I would guarantee that many of you out there that are in this tax and spend, tax the rich, punish the wealthy attitude, if you were wealthy, you'd hide your money as best you can. I'll say it again. The, the, the people that advocate for this, the wealthiest among us, whether they are Hollywood elite or athletes or otherwise that are always professing the rich to pay more, they hire and spend a lot of money on accountants and attorneys that make sure they pay as little as taxes in a legal way. They obey the law, but they do it in a way where they pay as little in taxes as possible. And I don't know why everybody doesn't do it. If you are an advocate for the government getting more wealth from people, you always have the opportunity to give more money to the government. But forcing other people to do it, I don't think is the way to go. And so that's kind of our inflation rundown. We'll talk a little bit more about it later on. Um, in, in just a moment, we're going to shift back to the FDIC and the bank bailouts. Uh, what happens if you see these community banks and these regional banks, if you see them fail and we go to just the biggest banks, if only the large national banks, is that a good idea because it's safer? We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Now, Julia, which concert would you rather go to? I mean, are you going to be mad if I say Taylor Swift? Oh, I'm going to call you a liar. Well, I don't know Metallica all that well. Listen to this. I mean, it's a beautiful song. I just don't know Metallica. It's a great song. I mean, if you threw a concert in my face and said, pick any artist, I'd pick you two all day. Really? Oh, yeah. They're my favorite band. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. There we go. Metallica's on my bucket list. I have not seen them live. I'm surprised by that. I've watched their concert videos. I've watched their documentaries, but I've never seen them live. We got to get you to a show. I got to get to Metallica. I've seen Garth Brooks four times. But I've never seen Metallica. Gotta get there. All right. All right, that's our music update. We're battling in here. They're making me listen to Taylor Swift, so I'm making them listen to Metallica, and somehow that's going to balance out the universe. Um, We're going to talk about the financial, what's going on in the banking industry. This literally just came in my email. Uh, This is from the Daily Caller. Uh, Moody's Investor Service changes its view on the entire banking system. The Silicon Valley Bank collapsed Friday in the second largest bank failure in history. The Treasury... And the Treasury, Federal Reserve, and Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, announced that they would fully protect all depositors. Moody's downgraded its outlook on the entire banking system the following day, noting deposit runs at two other major banks. This is according to CNBC. Here's a quote. We have changed to negative from stable our outlook of the U.S. banking system to reflect the rapid deterioration in the operating environment following deposit runs at Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate Bank, Signature Bank, and the failures of SBB and SNY, which is is Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Moody said the report – 
uh, said in their report, this is according to CNBC, banks with substantial unrealized securities losses and with non-retail and uninsured U.S. depositors may still be more sensitive to depositor competition or un- ultimate flight with adverse effects on funding, liquidity, earnings, and capital. So Moody's is downgrading. So what does this do? Because we understand, at least I understand, that, um, and maybe you agree, that perception is reality. If you're afraid, it doesn't have to be a rational fear, but it's a real fear. I have an irrational, and I know it's irrational. I have an irrational fear of heights. I just do. Um, It wasn't always that way when I was a kid, but I have an irrational fear of heights. When I'm in a tall building, I get queasy looking out the window if I look straight down. And I know I'm safe. I'm behind a thick piece of glass. Nothing is going to happen to me. It gives me a queasy feeling. It makes me sick. When I was in Paris, I wouldn't go all the way to the top of the Eiffel Tower. I went to the observation deck, and as long as I looked out at the horizon, I was okay. If I glanced down, I would almost – I get to a point where I almost freeze up. So I know it's irrational. I'm perfectly safe. In my mind, I know I'm safe. But that fear is real. And so if we start hearing uh, about people that have money in the bank pulling their money out and going somewhere else, you're going to cripple an industry. So how does the government head this off? And that's part of the issue is how much of it is reality. And I I just think that the best approach for me anyway (coughs) in a situation like this, the best uh, approach is just the truth. Is to go out and acknowledge people are afraid and with good reason that there are some major banks that made big mistakes and they collapsed under the weight of their own mistakes and that people are afraid. But this is where we are for real. This is what the numbers are saying. And this is why we believe you're safe. People can smell politics a mile away. But giving people real information, I don't think that people are dumb. I think people are smart, and they can smell a rat when there is one. And it's it's fascinating. Now, there was an accusation made, and it's interesting. It has to do with Arizona Senator Mark Kelly, um, that Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona asked about censorship tools that can be used to prevent bank runs following the collapse of uh, the Silicon Valley Bank. He reportedly made a request to representatives of the Treasury Department, Federal Deposit, or FDIC, Federal Reserve, during a press a conference call discussing the collapse. And he talked about possibly censoring. He said there was a senator, I believe it was Mark Kelly, who asked if we had a good program to censor this stuff at social media, to censor information so there wouldn't be a run on banks. The problem is he didn't say he wanted to censor false information or or foreign information. He kind of left it open-ended. Now, listen, um, Senator Kelly's in the opposing political party for me. I don't know that that's what the senator meant at all. But if the senator's concerned that foreign entities would use this as propaganda to destabilize our banking. I understand that. But I don't know that ever, ever not giving, giving people information is the right thing. It's making sure you're offsetting with what the, the nonsense with real information. This idea that somehow someone knows what the truth is and they get to be the arbiter of truth is a scary proposition when somebody else is in charge. I just think you have to tell people what's going on, be honest, be accurate, 
there's an old saying that you can never over communicate in a crisis. And I think that's the case here. You have got to over communicate with people so they understand what's going on. In a moment, um, we're going to talk about crime. Um, Mesa police officers involved in a crime. We had somebody that barricaded themselves in a in a QT that's ended up dead. Um, we are seeing more and more violent crime. What constitutes a hate crime, and is it a label that's necessary? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you'd like to become a Phoenix Suns insider, you can do it by texting the word Valley to 411923. You will get all the breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. Just text the word Valley to 411923. Um, I, I kind of ranted about this earlier. Uh, we all are concerned about crime, and I think it's a growing problem. I understood. Although I didn't agree with the defund the police movement. I didn't think that policing was the problem. I just disagreed with them. I understood what they wanted to achieve. And I think every one of us wanting to achieve the same goal, which is um, we want a safer neighborhood. All neighborhoods. If there is a community, whether it's based on skin color, culture, or economy, if they feel as if they're being treated differently by the police, again, perception is reality. So how do we fix that? Well, you have to be able to have enough police officers to do their job and then other things in order to make those problems go away. But the question is also about hate crimes. Hate crimes are on the increase. So this is an ABC News report talking about hate crimes and the increase this year. An FBI report found reported hate crime incidents increased 11.6% from 8,120 in 2020 to 9,065 in 21. Around 65% of victims were targeted because of race, ethnicity, or ancestry, according to the report. The agency published a December report that stated hate crimes fell slightly in 2021, but warned the figures were likely off due to a shift in a new reporting system. This time, the FBI said the supplemental report includes data from the old and new collection system, saying it demonstrates the agency's commitment to providing a complete picture of hate crimes nationwide when you when you hear that about hate crimes being up uh, it's crime that's up you know there's a there's a combination of things that we all have theories about it but the isolation we have on social media i love i really do love social media it's why i promote it so much because we don't take phone calls on this show i interact on social media i respond to people that disagree with me i respond to some people when they're just vitriolic and ugly i mean they just they have nothing productive to say it's always just insulting, some of those people end up getting blocked by me. But that anonymity allows people to say and do things they wouldn't normally do face-to-face. It's just part of what we have to deal with in reality. But when you start seeing targeted uh, attacks or targeted acts of violence, I don't care if there's people targeting young women and they're carjacking them because they believe that women are going to be able to defend themselves less than men. That, to me, is a targeted crime. Is that a hate crime? Going after people because you don't like them because of their ethnicity or their religion. Uh, you know, the, the attacks, the anti-Semitic comments and things that are out there now, they're all real. But should someone be punished for going after someone because they're a Jew versus going after someone because they're a Republican or a Democrat or whatever? It's all horrible. 
there were threats against the life of our governor, who is a Democrat. This is when she was the secretary of state. Horrible. There were death threats against Clint Hickman, who was the one of the is the supervisor, the, the chairman of the county board of supervisors. His life was threatened. He's a Republican. It doesn't matter what political party, doesn't matter what gender, doesn't matter. And what matters is when people can't control themselves and they act out, we as a society need to respond. Now, when you hear about these hate crimes being up based on ethnicity, I will tell you that some of those things that divide us make these things worse. Perception is reality. If it's real that a community believes that they are being mistreated by the police because of the economics of that community or the majority of the community is what is known as, well, I'd say just go with non-white so it covers the gamut that uh, people in that community, that's reality to them. That is reality. When you have other people that say based on your race or based on your sexuality, you have an unfair advantage at times or you are excused for your behavior more than other people are, that's a real belief in people. And I think when you have these hate crime designations, it divides us more than it brings us together. I think what would be helpful to all of us as a society that says if you've shown yourself to not be able to control yourself with violence and threats and the nonsense, then there's going to be real punishment for you. There is a difference, and I pay zero attention. It's one of the things I like about social media is Twitter is not a real place to me. And so I I don't know you. And you don't know me, and it's a great place for us to interact and try to understand each other if that's the goal, or at least have the other person understand your point. If you get ugly with me on social media, especially the people that make threats, I largely laugh them off. And maybe I do that more than I should. Maybe I should be more concerned than I am. But it's not a real place. And your persona on social media is not a real person. And your opinion matters very little to me once you cross that line. And I've got no problem blocking people, deleting people, or just ignoring people when they get ugly about stuff. But for other people, there's a reality in that that I don't think should be. It's social media. They don't know you, and they're making comments that only you can allow them to bother you. But when it comes to real acts of violence, when there are threats that are based in some reality where you are in danger – You know, you had – I'm going to use one of these examples, and I'm sure he's tired of me using him as an example. When you had Clint Hickman from the County Board of Supervisors, when some guy in another state, another state, posts a YouTube video saying, I'm coming to Arizona to effect a citizen's arrest on you, I laughed because it wasn't me that was being threatened. And I said, well, okay, first of all. I know Clint Hickman pretty well. Good luck arresting him, especially in front of his family. I dare you to try. But even if this guy was successful, where is he going to take him? I mean, to Facebook jail, because you're not going to take him to the real jail. I mean, there's no thought in this. In my mind, that's just a guy that's acting like an idiot. He's just spouting off. He makes no sense. And he's just an idiot. Until over 100 people showed up outside of Clint Hickman's home with his wife and his children inside. That's reality. So.
social media, I call them keyboard warriors, the people that say brave things and horrible things that they probably wouldn't say to your face, not because they're afraid of you and what physical damage you would do to them, but because, you know, it's harder to say ugly things to someone's face. Now, some people wear it as a badge of honor that they'll just say ugly things to you, but that's that's few and far between. Social media makes people brave. That's not reality. I'm not saying it's not ugly. It's not reality. We have seen people in the last few years, they call them hate crimes when it's when it's focused on certain groups. But we've seen people emboldened and angered to the point of violence. And I just think that we've got to figure out a way to stop it. We've got to start seeing each other as human beings, even when we vehemently disagree. And if you're advocating for violence, you need to be called out for it. Especially if your advocation for violence turns into a real possibility or real violence. What we're going to do in just a moment, Mesa Public Schools is using technology for better school safety. We're going to talk about what they've decided to do. Is this a good thing? And should other school districts be following? We'll do that coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Appreciate you spending some time as always. Uh, Mesa Public School Security Chief embraces tech for safety. It's a great story, um, and it is, again, trying to take a tragedy somewhere else and trying to learn, not from other people's mistakes necessarily, but learn from other people's experiences. At a time when Mesa Public Schools already had 28 campuses remodeled to include front entries with a secure lobby, bullet restraint windows. Um, the district has a long-term plan to remodel all its schools uh, to a secure lobby system, but that will take some time. They're using technology. The safety director, Alan Moore, turned to technology in a moment, and he has addressed complex school safety challenges over the years. He said when the doorbell rings, the staff can look and see who's there when they have a conversation with them, and they vet them. If they're friendly, they can push the button right from their door or from their computer, and it unlocks the door and allows allows them to come in. As soon as the door shuts, it locks again. Um, the reason why I bring up school safety is, um, and uh, a lot of what I'm going to tell you I've learned from my friend Steve Hooper and, and his wife, and they're, they're, they have a company that deals in this. They, you know, over 30 years between them with the F- or 50 years between them with the FBI. And um, it is about making a concerted effort and having somebody that does threat assessment because there are always the chances that there's somebody that's going to do something, whether it's in a corporation or in a school, where it is a stranger that comes by. Stranger danger is a real thing. But there also are, ch- are, are times when it's somebody from within, and many times we find out the warning signs were there. Nobody was really owning the threat and doing anything about it. But the conversation about schools is going to continue. It just is. Uh, we had a conversation this morning with a, uh, a counselor that uses uh, social emotional learning in the Flagstaff Unified School District at the elementary school level. And I am uh, I am someone that is not in favor of SEL. I, I think it's a distraction at best. Um, that's just still my opinion. That's the way I feel about this. I think that we have if you and ask yourself before you get angry at me or disagree with me out of hand, is education better today? than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when I was in school. I was in high school 40 years ago. 
is education better now than it was then? How about 50 years ago when I was in kindergarten? Are we seeing a more quality education? And I will tell you from my personal experience, it is not. I am uh, one of the, as far as formal education goes, I am someone that is very, uh, I am probably the least educated person in this building. I'm not proud of that. It's just a reality. But I would put my reading skills, I would put my um, my retention and my ability to uh, not just retain what I've read, but turn around and convey a thought, the idea of book reports, the idea of being able to be a good reader. These should be the focus, the idea of this emotional that you're, you know, if if uh, if you go in, if you go into a, a bathroom and someone that's transgender is in there and they make you uncomfortable, you're the problem and you have to check your emotion on that. You're not being very kind to that person and all the uh, none of that stuff is promoting. It's just be nice. How many laws we have in society could be summed up, which is some very simple common sense things. Laws. Be nice. Keep your hands to yourself. Basically, it covers how many laws that we have that people break every day. Be nice. Keep your hands to yourself. Don't take other people's stuff. Mind your own business as much as you can. And instead of us just saying we are all going to treat each other with kindness, and if you don't, you're going to be gone, which is how every successful program I've ever been a part of works, including schools. When you, uh, I know it's different than a classroom, but when you've got uh, 50 boys in a locker room on a football team, and I, 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 at the Pop Warner level, we had girls on the team sometimes as well. But once we got to high school, I, I have never coached a girl in high school football. I know that some play. So when I had a locker room full of boys and I was one of the assistant coaches, the head coach didn't mess around. We are a team. You're going to act like a team. If you aren't going to be a team player, I don't care if you're a starting player or if you're the superstar of the team, you're not going to play on this team. You are going to strive for the greater good of the team over yourself or you won't play on this team. And it works. Be nice. You know, the, the, and, and the idea that we're taking up the huge parts of our budgets, and this is what bothers me more than anything else, is the prioritization. Because if let's go with the narrative from people on that side of the or that belief system about education, that it's all about the money, that the dollars that we don't have in the classroom is the problem. We need more money. We need more money. We need more money. How can you possibly say there's enough money for some of these programs unless you believe they are on an equal plane with the curriculum that teaches kids to read and perform math skills? You have to believe that there's equality in those in the necessity of those programs. Otherwise, when you prioritize, you prioritize reading and math and core curriculum and teacher pay, and then whatever money you have left over, you can do other things with. And you have to believe that they're equal. And I don't think that they are. And then the more I dig into these programs, the more I believe that they aren't worthwhile, that they're more of a distraction. And they're telling some kids you're an oppressor and your attitude is bad and it's causing harm to other people. Well, what about when I'm uncomfortable and they're making me uncomfortable? You need to change your attitude. I think what we need to do is treat everybody equal and say you are going to treat each other with respect. Even if you're not friends, you'll be respectful. And if you're not going to be respectful, you're going to pay a price. That's common sense. That's not a curriculum. So you create a problem and then you create the solution to the problem.
Coming up just after 11 o'clock, the president of Mexico said yesterday to reporters that Mexico is safer than the U.S. And if the U.S. keeps these warnings up, he'll tell Mexican-Americans who to vote for in the next election. We'll talk about that next.